0: now you we thought saudi arabia was a culture shock india was times 10. how so we got off the plane we were in bombay india and i never forget the smell it smelled horrible like dead dead animals and sewage really right oh it was horrible and we were just driving into the country, and we felt like a pipe busted or something. But the more we drove, we realized that this was just the city. It smelled. And we got there, and I'm walking the street, and the level of poverty there was just mind-blowing. Um, children out there with no clothes, begging for money. Kids my age. I remember this girl. She had a leather whip like this thick. Mm-hmm. And she was whipping her back, cutting herself for money. I mean, she's my age. People are paying her to do that. What what they, what they do? If people feel sorry for her, they'll give her money. So uh-huh. they're trying to invoke your sympathy. I oh, Got it. Okay. I'm beating myself yeah, so yeah, you yeah, can yeah, give me yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And they they do that out there. You mm-hmm. know, I've even heard of stories where mothers will um inflict their children so that you can feel more sorry for them so you can get
1: money oh my god yes
0: the poverty level is is, is 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 very bad people squatting down on the in the public old women men children all squatting down in public using the bathroom yeah animals in the street culture shock so we were there for seven months i'll keep it short um we were bouncing around from village to village, boarding school to boarding school. My father left us, mm-hmm. and he had a couple of people that we didn't even know, mm-hmm. um, kind of chauffeur us around different places. Sure. And come to find out, he was having an affair at this time. You know. Your father. Yep. Mm. And we was bouncing around from village to village, mm-hmm. and it was just like me and my brother surviving out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't brush my teeth for seven months. Um, I had hundreds of lice in my hair. I used the bathroom. We would just go to the beach. We would just squat down, use the bathroom. Um, I can tell you story after story of how um, we should have died out there, me and my brothers. What do you mean? Just from
1: uh, dysentery, sickness, illness type sickness, thing? Sickness,
0: illness. Yeah. One circumstance, I was in a school uh, called Tud and I was in my room, just a dirt floor. Mm-hmm. And I was so sick that I was just laid out on the ground. The the whole time for seven months I was there. The only English-speaking people that we met happened to be our roommates. Mm-hmm. One guy is from America, and the other guy was from Canada. They're about 15 years old. I'm eight years old. And they are they there for the same reason? to Islamic boarding school. Yeah. Okay. Right. And... I was so sick. The doctors there told me that I had like a malaria. They mm-hmm. said, you probably got malaria. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was so deathly ill. One of those teenagers picked me up, and they walk walked me for miles to uh, the nearest doctor they can find in a neighboring village or town, mm-hmm. and my brothers were following, mm-hmm. and they placed me on this table, and I, I don't forget this part because... It took about eight people to pin me down because when I saw the size of that needle, it looked like a sword. (laughs) They stuck me right in the rear. You know, I'm an eight-year-old kid, Mm. but they said if I didn't have that, I would have died.
1: uh, Antibiotics or what?
0: I don't know what it was. Yeah. You know, I was eight years old, and they said that that I probably had malaria, Mm. and what they gave me was the medicine I needed to save my life. Sure. So um, that's just one story of, I don't know who that guy was. After that, shortly we left that school. Oh, my. You know, as a Christian, and this may seem far-fetched for people, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys were angels. (laughs) I really wouldn't. Yeah. You know, and God placed them there for us Mm -hmm. to save my life. We went through a lot of hard things over there, you know. Um, I saw my older brother get beat like grown man. He used to have to fight to protect us all for the time. W- for what? Why? Kids, kids are always trying to fight us. Fight us, because we're American. We spoke English. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, America, America, you know, this kind of stuff. And my brother, he wasn't in school.
1: Is there a lot of, I mean, would you call it racism over there? Is that what's would, going maybe, on?
0: Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I was just young. I was eight. I turned nine. I just remember my brother, my older brother, really had to be, he was only one year older. Mm-hmm. And he had to be like our dad. Yeah, he was like our protector, mm-hmm. and he would always be fighting mm-hmm. for me and my brother.
1: Still close with him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's—I get a little emotional thinking about him. Mm-hmm. He's a—he's uh, like my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. So
1: those experiences actually uh, make you tighter with your brothers in a way.
0: There's nobody closer than me and my brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we we go back we just I went to basic training with some guys in the army too okay. yeah and even to this day I'm close with those guys because we've been through that experience together <laughs> basic training mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah it's just when you go through something with somebody like that adversity breeds right family it, brotherhood it, it, that's what it does yeah. it does and me and my brothers we went through that unique experience together and it was just us yeah and, um, but I believe God took care of us. Mm-hmm. There's no way a two eight-year-olds and a nine-year-old can survive in India by themselves for seven months um, without God. Is your dad checking in on you throughout this? I mean, is... Periodically, he'll make visits mm. and check in for the places that we were, were at. At um, uh, And your mom doesn't know you're going through this. Nope. She's praying for us. Yeah. And uh, she's actually praying that God will send an army to come save us mm-hmm. at this time, because she's a woman in Saudi stuck. Mm-hmm. She has no rights. Yeah, and she's cursing God at this point. Really? Yeah. Why did you bring me here? Mm. You know, she's losing her children. This is a, this is a sore trial of faith.
1: But she was still able to say no when the. I, I'm I'm sorry. They were like right. pastors. I forget that. Right.
0: What are the pastors
1: called? Imams. Imams. Mm-hmm she was still able to say no Mm -hmm. when that came.
0: You see, because my mom was reading the scriptures, and she would read these scriptures, one in Jeremiah, and I forget the verse, and I didn't bring my Bible here, but there was a verse in Jeremiah that she read during this time, and she was so angry at God, she opened her Bible, and the book of Jeremiah said, you know, about a woman named Rachel, and she was weeping for her children Mm -hmm. because her children were gone from her. Mm. And but she read in that verse that God um and, and another passage in the scripture that God will return her children back to her. Mm. So when she read that scripture, she identified because she was weeping for her children, mm-hmm. but she held on to the promise that God would bring her kids back. Mm. So there was a test of faith. It's either you're gonna believe God's word or you're gonna uh fold. Mm-hmm. And she decided to stand. And the amazing thing is not that she decided to stand, is that when you read God's word, you realize that He's the one that's standing with you. You're not standing alone. Mm. And so there's no mother, no parent that can muster up that type of courage. Mm -hmm. And that's why the scripture says, faith comes by hearing Mm -hmm. and hearing the word of God. In order for you to have faith, Mm -hmm. you got to listen. And so my mom was listening, God was speaking. And she was getting encouraged by that. It's like, you know, you're down, you're in the fourth quarter, you got to hear the coach give you, you, you got to get pumped up <laughs> mm-hmm. by the coach. You got to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the same thing I go through when I read God's word. I get pumped up mm. that yeah, I yeah. can do this, you know? Yeah. And so that's what happened. We and,
1: were there for seven months. And, and right? how is it you end up making it back to her? The army came.
0: Yeah? The army t- came. T- tell me about that. 1990, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Mm. And for many people, Saddam was the bad man, but for my mom, he was an answer to prayer. How so? Because when he invaded Kuwait, there was instability in Saudi Arabia for my father's job. We had to leave the country. And so we had to get taken out of India, Mm -hmm. came back to Saudi Arabia. They had bomb sirens and stuff going off when we got there, got back. And we had to leave the country. What was that? I mean, did you, you heard the sirens. Did you yeah. see any acts of war? I didn't see any acts of war. Okay. We just heard the bomb sirens and stuff like that going off. Did you know what that meant? Yeah, we did. What were you feeling at that? Scared. Wow. I was scared. It was intense. Yeah. But beyond that, I was so overwhelmed and happy to be reunited with my mom and my sisters again. Mm-hmm. Because by the time I came back, I was so emaciated and bony Mm -hmm. and bloodstains all over my clothes, lice all over my hair, Mm -hmm. teeth, yellow, didn't brush my teeth Mm -hmm. or nothing. And I came back. We were eating bone soup out there. I lived in huts made out of cow manure and hay. You know, that's where I lived. Okay. Me and my brothers would take baths in a well. Six o'clock in the morning, we're dumping cold water on us. And there's fish in the well like this big swimming in there. Really? Oh, yeah. But thank God we had a bar of soap. (laughs) (laughs) Zestfully clean. (laughs) So, but. uh, So, you're in.
1: You make it back to Saudi. Yeah. And you guys are leaving. You have to leave the country.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And where are you going? England. Okay. Yeah. We leave Saudi Arabia. My father ends up staying. So, my mom and the kids leave because of the war, Mm. because Mm -hmm. of the danger. But my father
1: stays. So. Uh, your, your father must have chose to do that. So in a way, I mean, he was there. He was protecting the family. He was getting you to safety. Right, right. And right. Uh, sorry to kind of back up a little bit. No, it's fine. Coming out of that uh, uh, Islamic boarding school, right? Did, how did when you came out of that? Did you feel? Um, were you becoming? Uh, would you say more Muslim or? Did that attract you to that lifestyle? Did did it push you more towards your mom's lifestyle? I, I don't know if you understand the question. That's a
0: great observation, great question. You know what it did? And even as an adult now, I, I look back at it and I said it backfired on my dad because my mom taught us how to pray. And the experience that we had in India and mm. Saudi Arabia was very negative. Mm. And here we are learning about Allah and mm-hmm. Islam, mm-hmm. but yet we're crying. We're being abused. Mm-hmm. We're missing my mom and my sisters. Mm-hmm. I wrote one letter, we wrote several letters to my mom. She only got one mm-hmm. and she still has it to this day. And we're asking mom, we miss our sisters. Can you please send me my He Man toy, mm-hmm. my Transformers? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm eight years old. Yeah. I turned nine years old over there. Yeah. And um my impression of Islam was very negative because of that experience. Mm-hmm. But my mom taught us how to pray, and we would bow down in the mosque. And when you bow down with your head on the ground, you're supposed to speak Arabic. Mm -hmm. But we're praying to Jesus in the mosque. And we're asking God, we want to see our sisters again. Yeah. You know, save Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a good question because, uh, you know, the fruit of that experience was bitter. And it really... um, sent me down a wild path after that. Religion wasn't in, House, in my... Uh, what do you mean? When I came back to England, my mm-hmm. parents divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, I was pretty broken as a young kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been through a lot. Yeah. You know, a lot of abuse over there as mm-hmm. well, and and just a divorce. And growing up as a teenager then, I went to England for a couple years, single parent, my mom, and then we went back to United States, mm-hmm. New York, and we're living in this dirty apartment, roaches and rats, and but it's like a five star hotel compared to India. I mean, it's, it's, it's luxury. Um, you know, I grew up just listening to rap music and hip hop music, and that became my outlet for a lot of my pain. Mm-hmm. And I would beatbox and rap, mm-hmm. and I started to do drugs smoke weed and mm-hmm. alcohol mm-hmm. and I got really steeped in that very, very deep. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was just to cover up a lot of the things that went on in my life as a young kid and I just built up on that. And I quickly in my teenage years didn't think about God. Cover up what? Um I, I, I understand the bad experiences, but
1: Yeah. Is it anger, pain, uh you know, confusion. What do you, what do you mean cover
0: up? A lot of anger. A lot of pain. Um, you know, with what happened with my parents, what Mm -hmm. happened with me and my brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. I left school in second grade in Connecticut. I remember my teacher, Mrs. Fay, Mm -hmm. you know, my class. That was it was cool. Yeah. I leave that, and then I'm not even in school in third grade, Mm -hmm. fourth grade. Mm -hmm. I miss third grade. Mm -hmm. I miss fourth grade. Yeah. That set me back. And I come back. And I'm angry. I have a lot of anger. I've always been an introvert. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a type of person to talk about nothing. I, sure. tr- I bottle it in. I've always been quiet, and so um, I I didn't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. And I just held it all in. And I think my frustration and anger, you know, my outlet was freestyling and rapping. Mm-hmm. And then I started to live that type of life mm-hmm. that I didn't grow up. To live, mm-hmm. but I became that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it, I went to a dark place for the next, well, fifteen years or something, almost.
1: I, uh, I mean, go there. Explain that that to me. It sounds. I know you said you got into some alcohol, some weed. How how deep does that go? If you don't mind talking about no, it. No,
0: I. Sh- no, you can go as deep as you want, brother. Yeah. I, I go there. Um. You know, I started off smoking weed. And then cigarettes in high school, big-time pothead, just mm-hmm. big-time pothead. And I'm, this is all in England?
1: Or you're back in the U.S.? I'm back in the U.S. now. You're, I'm sorry. You said yeah. you're in New York. You're yeah, yeah.
0: So I left England when I was about, I don't know, 11 or something. Mm-hmm. Came to Michigan after that, New York to Michigan. I'm in the U.S. And then I ended up going to uh, California. Because mm-hmm. my mom at that time, she remarried my okay. stepdad, mm-hmm. who, was a, who was an Adventist pastor, at that time, okay, Seventh-day Adventist pastor, mm-hmm. and my mom, um, you know, she got her degree. She got her bachelor's degree in social work, and then she got her master's degree in social work. Okay, at Andrews University. Yeah, yeah. And so she got her education. She was a single mom, five kids, got married, mm-hmm. and my stepdad. We're growing up in this Christian home, mm-hmm. and now, but at that time, I'm broken. I'm mm. already angry. Yeah, I'm just rebelling. Yeah. I'm doing rap music, drugs, mm-hmm. and I start going worse and worse and worse. By the time I get to California, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pothead. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. I, start exper- I, I go to the military after high school. Mm-hmm. The day I fly out to go to basic training or go to MEPS, mm-hmm. I'm high on the plane. Okay. Okay. I don't know how I made it without getting tested, mm-hmm. but I made it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, when I was in the military, I didn't smoke weed, but I drank a lot, mm-hmm. and so alcohol became my my coping mechanism. Yeah, but I think I didn't. I wasn't even aware of what I was doing. I just thought I was just this hardcore rapper, mm-hmm. you know, and I was this tough, hardcore street guy, mm-hmm. rapping and freestyling. That was my identity. That's mm-hmm. who I was. Yeah, it really was who I was. Sure. This is what I did. Yeah. And so drinking and, and all that kind of stuff, I started to experiment with drugs in the military, mm-hmm. go out with guys in the Navy at Pearl Harbor. I was there in Hawaii. would do crystal meth. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I'll come back to PT, run four miles. I'm high on crystal meth, running in formation. Oh, yeah. Whoa. And then um, afterwards, you know, I'm drunk, and I'm starting to experiment with cocaine and ecstasy, and I'm just this real tough guy, right? I get out of the military and... Man, I've experimented with all kinds of drugs. Yeah. Cocaine. Mm-hmm. And my twin brother, me and him, we're doing cocaine for like six years. And I'm doing it tough. I'm working at a warehouse. Mm-hmm. I'm working these little uh, jobs that are just beating my body up, you know? And um, I eventually end up on Vicodins and Oxycontins. Mm hmm. And then I start smoking and doing Oxycontins and fentanyl patches, and I'm just hooked on that, you know, for about three and a half years. Yeah. I think I ran out of water here, but I'm all right.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you mind getting him some more water? Um, so I want to ask another question about that. You said it's a coping net mechanism. You said, you know, you are you were angry. You know, you're dealing with all these emotions. But So let's rewind. I mean, there was the divide between your parents um, – you know, at some points, your dad wasn't around. You know, you go to Thanks. to England, you go come back to the U.S. He, he's not around. There was the time in India, um, you know, where you're living <coughs> in poverty-stricken life. You know, you're, you're sick. You're out of school for those years, so you're falling behind. I imagine when you come back to the classroom and you're that far behind, you're probably lost of confidence. Right. So... And maybe it's a combination of all that things, but I'm trying to get to the root of like, what do you think it really was for, you, you know, was it the the really uh, controlling lifestyle that, that uh, you know, your family lived at the time? What, what do you think, w- maybe this is a dumb question, but is it all of those things combined or was there something that you feel like, man, this is what. I, I, I had to face and I had to deal with this. This was my problem here. Do you understand the question?
0: I, I, if I'm understanding it correctly, mm-hmm. for me, it was a combination of all those things. Got it. Things. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I was so angry that I was set behind. Mm-hmm. You know I'm a very type, type of person, I'm very particular. In order to mm-hmm. learn this thing, I want to learn this thing first, step one, yeah, step sure, two, sure. build a foundation. Yeah. Thanks. And I feel like I was very much set back in school. Angry about that. Angry about A little that. embarrassment. Very embarrassed. Okay. I was. All right. I I, I was. Yeah. And you. then I end up coming back to school, and I end up being in fifth grade. I was supposed to be in sixth grade. hmm But, you know, I was very embarrassed, and I was... But once again, I didn't know how to... I never talked about anything. Mm-hmm. I just sure. held it in. Sure. Very embarrassed about that. Angry at the fact that, you know, I didn't have a father in my life. My father wasn't there. Mm-hmm. He would visit maybe once a year sometimes. He would come to the United States and visit with us and then yeah. that's it. Yeah. For the summer. Sure. You know. Um so it's a combination. Combination. You, you it's all the things
1: added up. Right. The pressure was too much. Right, right. Okay, so you, you're experimenting with all these drugs, you're out of the military, you and your brother are doing this for six years. Right.
0: Now you're a pastor. What changed? Man. That's man. You know, after doing all the drugs for such a long time and rapping, and living that life, it beat me up mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. It just beat me up. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was so addicted to Oxycontin as I was going through withdrawals that I realized that if I didn't have the drug in my system, I wouldn't be able to talk with anybody couldn't mm. even drink water. Mm-hmm. Um, my body chemically was so dependent on it, I couldn't function without it. Mm-hmm. My digestive system shut down for a month almost. I couldn't use the bathroom because the drugs affected me. Whoa. Holes in my clothes. I'm drooling on myself trying to go to the light rail to so I can meet the guy to get some pills. They're very expensive too. Oxycontin is one of the most expensive drug habits you can have. Mm. And... Um, this was in the time before they changed the chemistry of the pill anyway, but it got to the point where I was so beat up and in my heart, I wanted to get help, mm-hmm. but there was no way out. Yeah. I was stuck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my twin brother was stuck too. I was at my job at the time and, um, I was on workers comp disability. I worked at this warehouse for 10 years, um, operating a forklift, loading pallets and picking orders and stuff. And um, I was out of work for a while and I could, there's no way I could physically return. I was off of work for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. My body was broke. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up 50-pound 50, 50 uh, buckets of paint, stacking stacking them on pallets, 36 high. I could barely pick up my arm. Mm-hmm. I'm weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 100 degrees. I'm cold sweating. Withdrawals... I can go on and on about withdrawals. I've broken bones. I've burned myself with fire and water. But withdrawals is the worst pain I have ever felt in my life. Really? Worst. Hands down. Hands down. Worse than being sick in India? Far worse. Really? Far worse. Okay. Withdrawals is a brand new kind of pain. Mm -hmm. You don't realize how... The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. You don't appreciate the human body mm-hmm. and the physiology until you mess with it. Then you realize how beautiful you were made. When I was going through withdrawals, it felt like somebody snipped a billion of my nerves. And I was so antsy, my bone. It felt like I was going through like a possession or something, you know. Um, cold sweating, I'm shaking. Um it's it's terrible, and it, and every second seems like an eternity. Mm-hmm. And for you to go through a period where your body readjusts, it it'll take. I mean, to go through the hardcore, it'll, it'll be like two weeks of no sleep, no eating, uh, to go through withdrawals from opiates, and then even to this day, I'm not fully one hundred percent recovered, normal as I should be, and that's years. Really? Yeah. Yeah
1: What do you notice Now if if you don't mind
0: Yeah I mean still My digestive system Is mm-hmm. not where it needs to be mm-hmm. Internally mm-hmm. Um, I think some of my nerves here My face mm-hmm. um, Even how my mind thinks Even how right. I see things mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Operate Speech Everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah so, just some of the things Yeah The consequences So you said, I
1: mean, this is how bad it gets. You said in your heart you wanted to get help.
0: How did you end up finding help? How did you get out of that? Well, here's, here's my conversion experience story. Okay. Um, my mom at the time, she was having uh, Bible studies at her house Friday night with mm-hmm. my stepdad, who was mm-hmm. a pastor. And she said to my twin brother, who was crashing out in my apartment on the couch, we're doing drugs, mm-hmm. he had two daughters at the time. They would come over to Uncle T's place, mm-hmm. my place, mm-hmm. and see us do our drugs and live that life. I had mm-hmm. microphones, kind of like how you guys got the podcast here. Mm-hmm. I had my studio. Oh, okay. And we called it The Dungeon. Mm-hmm. and We do our raps in mm-hmm. there and drugs. My mom told my brother, she said, you know, um, you're not bringing your daughters to church, so I want you to bring them to my house on Friday night, and I want to take them to church on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so I was the only one who had a car. And my brother would drive in the front seat, my two nieces in the back. Mm -hmm. And Uncle T, in order for me to drive, I have to be high. Otherwise, I can't drive. So I'm driving my nieces to my mom's house on Friday night. When I get there, I go through the front door and I'm broke. I have no money. So I'm going to mom's house to see what kind of leftovers she got, what Mm -hmm. kind of supplies she got in the cupboards because I'm living a drug life and I need food, Mm -hmm. right? So as I'm in the kitchen... And I'm looking for leftovers, and I'm just scrounging. I'm hearing in the living room people having worship. And they're talking about, praise God, thank you, Jesus, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, these people are crazy, right? (laughs) And then I'm just getting food. But then every Friday, the more I came to that house, the more things started to stir in my heart. Mm. Because I remember my mom used to tell me those stories in Saudi Arabia. Mm Mm-hmm. And those amazing Bible stories, like the three Hebrew boys and Mm -hmm. Joseph. And then I started to ask myself, as I hear these people in the living room talking about how good God is. I started to ask myself, you know what? I'm wondering if those Bible stories are just Bible stories. Or maybe they can be true. And they can help me. And I found myself sitting in the back row of that Bible study. Me and my brother. Mm -hmm. Because... We would do drugs, and I would go to my friend's house the next day, Mm -hmm. and I find out that he died. He has RIP (sighs) on his truck. I go to my next friend's house. He OD'd, and he died. And we're so stuck in this life that we're sniffing drugs on his picture with his wife the next day. No. Yeah. I knew I was dying. Me and my brother tried to get help. Uh-huh. We were so stuck in this life. And so when I went to that Bible study, it was like my only outlet of hope to save me. Mm-hmm. So I sat in the back row of that Bible study, and I'm high out of my mind, and I start hearing the word of God as the preacher is talking in the Bible study. Mm-hmm. And there was something about God's word that just started to give me hope. The coach started to pump me up. Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That hold on a second. I'm in this sad life Mm -hmm. in bondage. Mm -hmm. One guy after the Bible study, he grabbed me on the shoulder tight. His name was Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, yo, T, man, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that puts his trust in him. And I remember thinking, if this guy don't get his hand off my shoulder, man, this guy's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But I went back home, and he bothered me Mm. because I said, you know what? It's either this guy is crazy or he believes everything that's coming out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. And I went home, and I started to just scratch my head, and I used to say, you know, everybody at those Bible studies, they're pretty crazy. But you know what? There's something about them that I'd never gotten in the street at my work. There's something different about them. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about my parents. I said, you know, they go through struggles, but why are they always smiling? Why are they always happy? I'm 29 years old, mm-hmm. and I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm mad. I'm going through things. And then it started to hit me. Maybe it's that Bible and the God that they believe in. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's giving them that glow, mm-hmm. and maybe I need to get that. Mm-hmm. And that's what started to turn the wheels in my life. Mm-hmm. I went back to that Bible study. Me and my brother, my twin brother, he went through experience uh, when he gave he gave his life to God first. That was huge for me mm. because I was I say I'm the older brother, older brother. I'm five minutes older, you know, <laughs> yeah, as a twin. Yeah, that yeah, means yeah, a lot. Yeah. I'm five minutes older, man. Um, I'm five minutes older than him. I went to the army. I'm the tough guy. But I'm in my room sniffing and smoking drugs, mm-hmm. my twin brother's in the living room, and I hear him reading his Bible mm-hmm. in the living room. I hear him humming hymns mm-hmm. that my grandma used to sing mm-hmm. because he's going through withdrawals and he can't read anymore because his eyes are blurry. Mm-hmm. And he's going through hell and, and his body is going through hell. Mm-hmm. And I've been through some hardcore physical things before, but withdrawals, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. Two weeks, cold turkey, reading his Bible, hymns, 3 o'clock in the morning. Just in the apartment. No, in my apartment. Not, not in a medical facility. just in... in my apartment. Whoa. In the living room while I'm in my room doing drugs. Mm-hmm. When that happened, I started to say, hold on a second here. I don't even know who Adam is. Mm-hmm. That's my twin. Yeah. We've been brothers our whole life, and that really shook me because I said, you know, um, if God can do that for him, what can he do for me?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, that was the moment that really got me into a deep asking Mm -hmm. God to help me out. Mm -hmm. Now, I did drugs really tough really tough mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do cold turkey i had to go to rehab you did mm-hmm. i let a lot of people astray my influence i used in a very bad way and a lot of friends my brothers got him smoking cigarettes and mm-hmm. weed and but when i saw my brother go through that I was going to go back to my job now because I was out of work for almost two years. Mm -hmm. I had a lawsuit against the company. Me and my coworkers were suing them. we were a bunch of angry dudes, Mm -hmm. angry dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're just angry about life. Yeah. So we're going to sue them. They knew it, Mm -hmm. but I had to go back to work because my disability time ran out. Mm -hmm. You know, I can only milk it for so long saying I have back injuries and all these kinds of things, but really I'm a drug addict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Sure. And, um, But it did cause my back to hurt for real. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. sure. Um, I had to go back to my job, and I was in no shape to do the work. I was broken physically. I'm going to the Bible studies at this time. My brother has given his life to God, Mm -hmm. my twin. Yeah. I go back to the job, but before I go back to the job, this is a Sunday night. Monday morning, I have to go back. Sunday night. I did the first thing, the, the first time I really did this in my life. I pulled out my little beige pillow and I got on my knees in the night and I just started praying to God. And as I prayed to God, I was very disrespectful to God. I was angry. I almost cursed him out. Mm-hmm. Where were you kind of deal, mm-hmm. you know? Why did all this happen to me? And before you know it, Tears started coming down my eyes. Mm-hmm. I was crying like a baby. I'm not gonna lie, I mm-hmm. was crying like, mm-hmm. Snot, mm-hmm. crying like a baby. Snot everything. Crying like a baby. I haven't cried like that in my whole life. Mm-hmm. My uncle died, family died. I didn't cry at the funeral. Mm. But I cried like a baby this night. I cried. And I just poured out my heart angry at God. And, and then I said to him, I said, You know what? My mom's been telling me to go to rehab. I said, if you can save my job. I had eviction notices on my apartment door. They're trying to kick me out. Mm. Marge, my landlord, she was like, <laughs> I've been so good with you, Tarek. Yeah. You're going to get kicked out if you can't pay your rent. Yeah. And um, I said, if you can save my apartment and my life, I'll give my life to you. Right? I'll go to rehab. That's what I said to God. That was yeah, my deal. yeah, yeah. So Sunday night, I... I made that deal. Drug addict made that deal with God. If you can save my apartment, save my job, um, I will go to rehab, and I'll read my Bible, and I'll pray every day I'm there. I go to work on Monday morning. I meet with the HR manager, plant manager, and warehouse manager Monday morning. They say, okay, Tarek, you've been out of work forever. we got to bring you up to speed. Mm -hmm. So now I have to talk to Jennifer, the HR manager, and tell her I'm a drug addict, and Mm -hmm. I need help. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life to confess to my enemy, mm. I've argued with this lady before yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lawsuit against the company. yeah, I have to tell her that I'm addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. I'm very prideful, yeah, yeah, I'm a hardcore rapper, right <laughs> You know what I mean yeah, yeah i'm I'm not weak, right, but now I'm being real with myself, mm-hmm. and so I go to the job and I say, "Hey, Jennifer, you got a second. Can I talk with you?" She closes the door. I'm in there, and then she says, what's the deal, T? And I say, you know what, Jennifer? I'm addicted to pain pills, Oxycontins, and I need help. Mm -hmm. Man, after that, she looked at me, and she said, T, it took a lot of courage for you to say that. I'm very proud of you. Mm. And uh, she closed the door. The door's already closed. And she said, you know what? I'm going to get on the phone, and I'm going to call a place, and the job is going to pay 80-something percent for you to go to rehab, and you're going to keep your job. And I called my father later in Saudi. He paid the remainder. So the job paid like 85%. He paid 15% for me to go to rehab. Wow. Okay. That same day when I was in her office, she said, T, let's get on the phone. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's get the process started. Mm -hmm. I went to the room to get on the phone, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. When I came back to her office, she was standing outside the door, and she looked at me and she said, T, while you were in there, I was praying for you. She said, it looked like you needed it. Mm. She closed the door and she said, you know, T, I know I can get in trouble for saying this. Mm-hmm. This is the HR director. Yeah, 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 I know I can get in trouble for saying this. But I have to do what God tells me to do. Mm. She told me, while you were gone, T, I got baptized. I gave my life to God. Mm-hmm. No the way. HR director, <laughs> yes way, yeah. grabs on the top shelf of her cabinet uh-huh. a Bible. Uh-huh. I got a lawsuit against her. Yeah, 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 yeah. She grabs the Bible and she opens the book of Galatians and Ephesians and starts saying, T reading and reading the Bible to me, talking about how she gave her life to God mm-hmm. for almost two hours. And she said, T, the Holy Spirit has been working in my life and he wants to work in your life. She closed that Bible and she gave me a hug mm-hmm. and I hugged her and I couldn't believe what was going on in that office. Yeah, how
1: did you feel? I mean, you walked in there, uh, um, ashamed, embarrassed, you know, you right. had to admit to this lady that you'd fought with, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a weakness.
0: How did it make you feel that she responded that way? I was stunned. Really? I was stunned. Mm-hmm. I was stunned that she responded that way, and I was shocked because I felt so special. I felt like God god orchestrated that whole thing, mm-hmm. and I felt like he was there with me. Yeah. And that um, he's been waiting for me to really pray to him like I did that Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Even if I was angry at him, yeah. he was like, I could take that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he was there for me that next day, even through the mouth of my enemy who became my friend. Mm-hmm. And when she hugged me and I gave her the hug, I was trying to be tough, but I had like mm-hmm. a couple tears come down. <laughs> I couldn't believe it yeah. because I felt like, I never felt so special in my life. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, I felt like God stopped the sun, moon and stars just to let me know that, man, Tarek, I've been waiting for you, man. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for you. And from that day on, I went to rehab, and my life changed. I went to rehab, and I honored my deal with God. I told mm-hmm. him I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day I'm there. Mm-hmm. So I brought my Bible to rehab. Mm-hmm. And boy, did my life change because of that. Mm-hmm. I brought my Bible to rehab, and that Bible has like become another... A limb, mm-hmm. appendage, yeah, a part of me, yeah. And I've never been the same since. Mm-hmm. That's what changed my life, right yeah. there. Yeah, that's amaz- That's an amazing story.
1: Yeah. And then, so, so you're bringing the Bible to rehab. You're reading it every day. You make it through rehab. Everything yeah.
0: changes. Is that when you decide to go to seminary? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a seminary? You went to? I went to actually. You know, while I was in rehab, let me share this with you. While I yeah. was in rehab. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading my Bible because I honored it, honored God. The first day, my twin brother, my two parents, and my twin brother and me mm-hmm. driving me to rehab. We went to St. Helena, California, and Seventh-day Adventist Hospital, Napa Valley, beautiful on this mountain, mm-hmm. beautiful country. Yeah. We went there, and I decided to honor my deal with God. So first day, I checked into inpatient in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, what am I going to read? Grabbed this lesson book, took me to John chapter 8, verse 36, and it said, um, if the Son therefore shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Mm. Man, that... <laughs> I literally cried. What does that mean to you? Everything. Yeah? I, I've been wanting freedom from my pain, mm. abuse, divorce, anger, drugs, and the first Bible study I had was that promise, if the Son therefore shall make you free. I got a business card Yeah. probably in my wallet. I don't think I brought my wallet. Yeah. yeah. That's my theme on my business card. Really? As a pastor now. It's John 8, 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So that memory verse, that was it, man. Um, I read my Bible every day, and it got to the point that while I was in rehab, people were knocking on my door, and they were like, Yo, T, I'll say, What's going on? Hey, can you teach me how to pray? I'm like, I'm learning how to pray myself, man. Yeah. But, you know, I taught them about the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Next, people knocking on my door said, hey, man, you know, my daughter, my son got into an accident. Um, can you pray for them? Because mm-hmm. I'm walking with my Bible every day." Yeah, 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 And And uh, as I was in rehab, one guy looked at me and he said, man, I'm going to call you Pastor T. <laughs> 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 Look at that, right? They call me Pastor T in yeah, rehab. yeah, yeah. yeah. So in, the, in, the, in the rehab, the, other, the counselors were like, "Man, there's something very spiritual about you, man. Like, what's going on?" And I realized that I was the more I was just reading my Bible, mm-hmm. and I was just just giving them what I was receiving, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And this is something be- new in my life, mm-hmm. you know. I realized that it wasn't just me; I was going through a process of change, mm-hmm. and others were noticing that. Yeah. I got out of rehab, and the reason why I brought that up because it was instrumental in my calling. I went to a lot of AA and NA meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and okay. frequently, sometimes I still go, Okay. because I love those places, mm-hmm. places of recovery and change and power. Um, it was there that I first had to sit in front of a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I was so shy that we had just a light shining on me, mm-hmm. and the rest of the room was dark. And I had to share my story, like I'm sharing on this podcast, you know, right okay, now. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I would just kind of share my story about, you know, my pain, my past, and why mm-hmm. I did drugs mm-hmm. and stuff. And by the time they turned on the light, I realized that there were people that connected with my story. Mm-hmm. And I realized that God gave me a gift to share. Yeah. You fell in love with that. Being I able to help people. That's it. Yeah. When I got back home to that Bible study with all the weird people at the Bible study, the crazy people, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, 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 They became my crew. Yeah. They became my best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of ambushed me when I got back from rehab. They were like, hey, T, tell us your story. And then my parents got out of the front seat, mm-hmm. and I didn't expect it. They had me sit in the front seat, mm-hmm. and I just shared my story for the Bible study. Mm-hmm. From then, it was pretty emotional and tense because it's still fresh for me you know, at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there were people there, and they started to invite me to come speak to different churches just to share my story. Yeah. Me and my brother, we yeah. tag team in it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. Yeah. We just shared our story, how God gave us the victory, how his word gave us encouragement and mm-hmm. hope and changed our life. Mm-hmm. From there, my stepdad started doing preaching classes with us. We're, share- we're witnessing, we're going door to door, we're praying with people. And then I end up uh, getting laid off of my job, my warehouse job. Uh-huh. And then I end up uh, – I'm going fast now. We've been yeah, – I man, won't take too much of your time. No, this is great. I end up hooking up with with uh, my wife, the girl that I had a crush on right. when I was in, like, ninth grade. Really? Oh, I was in school with her since fifth grade. And she used to get on my nerves in fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But by the time we got to ninth grade, I had a crush on her. We left – She was in Michigan. We were in Michigan together. That's when my mom went to school. Okay. Her family went to Florida. My family went to California. Yeah. When I was in the Army, I talked with her a couple of times on the phone, Mm. but I hadn't seen her in 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I thank God because it was not until I was clean Mm. that I reconnected with her. Got it. She was 25 years old. She got her master's degree. She would have been, she never drank in her life. Mm hmm. She would have been completely turned off yeah, yeah. from me if she would have seen me like that, yeah, you know, sure. how it was. Sure. But I was cleaned up, I met God, my life was changed, and then I reconnect with her. She wasn't on Facebook for years. She pops up on Facebook God. all of a sudden. Yeah. And then we reconnect. Uh-huh. We start praying together, together from California to Florida. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, I've dated girls, I've been to bars and movies and mm-hmm. all these things. But there was something about that spiritual component of connecting with my future wife. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: We were not in physical contact, yeah. but we were praying together, mm-hmm. reading the Bible together, mm-hmm. talking with each other. Mm-hmm. And we eventually got married Yeah, after that. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, we got, I got laid off from my job. She got asked... To work at Pacific Union College. Mm-hmm. It's a Seventh-day Adventist college. Okay. Pacific Union College is in Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. It's on the same mountain <laughs> right next to the Adventist hospital where, where I went to rehab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're literally driving by the hospital mm-hmm. where I went to rehab to go to the college. Yeah, yeah. I go to the college there. I want to do like archaeology. I love history. Uh, you know i love really? indiana jones i grew yeah. up watching indiana yeah, yeah, jones yeah, yeah. man so you know archaeology and history like battlefield archaeology or something crazy like that i love mm-hmm. stuff like that you yeah know. you ask my son today he'll tell you all about greeks and romans and you know he's no kidding he's, yeah he's eight years old he's, he's, he's we'll like have to have genius. him on sometime yeah he's, he's <laughs> amazing he's amazing but uh let me speed this up so yeah you're good I literally passed the hospital where I went to rehab. I go to Pacific Union College. Mm-hmm. I'm running from this and I end up working with the chaplain at the hospital where I went to rehab, the same chaplain that influenced me, and mm-hmm. I'm talking to the people yep. in rehab the same place that I went to now mm-hmm. about my story. Yeah. Switch my major, I end up doing a theology degree. Um getting a theology. Yeah, uh, you know, my major's theology. And I end up graduating from there. But before I graduate in uh, March twenty third, two thousand fourteen, um, I'm back in that hospital. But this time in rehab, I was on the third floor, mm-hmm. looking out the beautiful window uh, yeah, yeah. view, yeah. You know, the vineyards in Napa Valley. I don't know if you've beautiful. been to Northern California. It's amazing, beautiful. and that was so instrumental in my recovery. Is nature mm-hmm. from city life to just where's everybody at? You know, mm. just you can just hear the birds. Yeah. It's very, very instrumental in recovery. This time, I'm back in the hospital. I'm not on the third floor. I'm on the fifth floor. Mm-hmm. Because behind me in that room, looking at the same view, yeah. my son is being born in that hospital. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I tell people all the, Does all that the time. Does that have special meaning to you? Oh, man. I said, my son was born in the hospital where his dad was born again. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. My wife was in there, and my son, and I, I. I said, "Man, there was no way I would have imagined this—that I would be married. I would marry the woman of my dreams, yeah—and I have a beautiful boy uh-huh. in this hospital. We leave California. I go to Michigan mm-hmm. to get my um, master's degree, and I end up going to the same place where my mom first moved to." When she was a single parent with five kids mm-hmm. to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Same apartments and everything. Really? Yeah. So cool. And I get my master's degree from the same place where my mom got hers. And I graduate from the seminary and I have no idea where I'm going. Uh-huh. I just so happened to have an open interview with a guy from Iowa. Yeah, yeah A yeah. ministerial director from Iowa. Yeah. Iowa was not on my list. Mm-hmm. If you ask me where <laughs> Iowa was on the map, I couldn't even tell you. Ohio? Ohio, yeah. <laughs> is that the place with the potatoes? Yeah, yeah, Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Something. yeah, and uh, we end up getting picked up by the Iowa-Missouri Conference of Seventh Day Adventists. Uh huh. So I graduate. My daughter was born in Michigan. Yeah. And then we leave, and we move to Nebraska, and I'm pastoring in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then my youngest daughter was born in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So I got California, Michigan, and Nebraska. Yeah. Now I'm in Iowa. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh. I've been in uh Des Moines now for a year.
1: What a cool story, man! Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm super
1: glad that I yeah. met you, ran into you. Yeah, uh, that we got to have this conversation. I, Me too. So we've been at it at this for a while. This is by far the longest, and I okay, love it. I'm this sorry, is a great. Man, no, no, I'm don't sorry. be sorry. This is a great conversation. I do want to cover just a couple more things real quick. One is so Seventh Day Adventist. I mean, we talked a lot about Islam. Um, you know, we we talked about. Uh, your conversion story. And mm-hmm. Can you give us? Uh, I've been around. I think I worked with a, a Seventh Day Adventist. Yes. Super nice guy, and uh, all. All I really remember was I, I believe he was a vegan and like didn't drink caffeine, and they they practiced the Sabbath where they didn't do any electronics or anything. I believe it was from Friday night at dark until Saturday night at dark. Mm-hmm. I, I believe if I'm if I remember correctly. Yeah, you got it. What what are some hallmarks? It's a Christian denomination. Yes. What are some hallmarks of uh, of Seventh Day Adventists? I mean, there's got to be more to it than just you know being vegan and, and right. Uh, yeah, right, w- right. W- what can you tell me about it, real quick?
0: Well, the Seventh Day Adventist Church, I think historically, you could we could do some research on mm-hmm. that. It was born out of an Adventist movement. So in the 1830s to mm-hmm. 1844, mm-hmm. there was a coming together of all kinds of Christians from all kinds of denominations, Methodists and yeah, Baptists yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. Christians, and mm-hmm. they all believed that Jesus was coming in 1844 from mm-hmm. a man named William Miller. Yeah. Um, from that movement, obviously Jesus didn't come in 1844. Mm-hmm. So those Christians from all those denominations, they prayed about it and then they came together. And they, it was based on the prophecies of the book of Daniel okay. and Revelation. okay. And so it's a very Bible-based... Um, understanding um, of Christianity Mm -hmm. and what a lot of people don't realize is Seventh-day Adventists were birthed out of this Protestant movement of all these Protestant denominations that came together to form the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. So a lot of the leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, for instance, Methodists, Baptists, Christians, they all came together mm. and formed the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it's based on the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, like I said. Okay. And it comes from a, a biblical understanding of what God's message is right before Jesus comes. And the emphasis is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, In Revelation chapter 14, it depicts Jesus coming on a cloud with a sickle, Mm -hmm. and right before that, there are three angels Mm -hmm. that have messages that have to be proclaimed right before Jesus comes. So the Seventh-day Adventist denomination find their mission as an end-time movement, hence the term Seventh-day, Sabbath, Adventist. Adventist means we're waiting for the advent of Christ. The second Got coming of Christ. It. Okay, we're waiting. We believe that Jesus is coming really soon. Yeah, and we can see the signs of the times that are happening, and even what's going on in our world today, we believe are shown in the Bible. Yeah, and this tells us that those three angels' messages mm-hmm. are in the Bible. Those are the last messages that are preached right before Jesus comes. So that is the mission mission of the church. Yeah, Seventh Day Adventist Church and three angels. We used to have um, on our logo, and I don't know why we've done, done away with it, but on the Adventist logo, it used to be a world mm-hmm. and three angels going across the globe. Okay. And it's to signify the three angels' messages mm-hmm. in the book of Revelation, chapter 14. Yeah. So that's a little quick synopsis historically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the things that people don't focus on Sabbath is extremely important, it makes Explain us unique. That. In the book of Genesis, you know, God created the world, mm-hmm. and on the seventh day, he rested. Mm-hmm. And the seventh day is still the same seventh day that exists today, mm-hmm. which is Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Mm-hmm. In the book of Genesis, it says that God blessed the seventh day, mm-hmm. he sanctified it, mm-hmm. he made it holy, and he rested on that day. Mm-hmm. So the seventh day has been sanctified, which literally means he set it apart Mm -hmm. and made it holy because God rested. And as Christians, when we read the Bible in the book of John, chapter one, Hebrews, chapter one, Colossians, chapter one, there may be somebody listening who knows what I'm talking about. Sure. Those passages clearly indicate that it was Jesus who created the world. Jesus is the creator. So get this. Jesus, after he created the world in six literal consecutive days, rested on the seventh day. He blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. He set it apart and made it holy. It's different from the other days. So this is what the creator did before sin, before Mm -hmm. things got crazy in this world, before it's dark. Yeah, yeah. This is when, he, like God says, Everything was very good. Mm -hmm. So this was in the world. And so as a Seventh-day Adventist now, we believe in keeping not nine commandments, but all ten commandments. Mm. Most people don't have a problem with thou shalt not kill, Mm. (laughs) or thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, or thou shalt not steal. Right, right, right. You know, nine commandments are okay with most Christians. Mm -hmm. But it's that fourth one that was written by the finger of God in mm-hmm. stone mm-hmm. that they have a problem with. Sure. You know? Yeah. But as an Adventist, we believe in all ten commandments mm. and that they're still valid. Got it. Yeah.
1: That's an excellent explanation, And which I, I, at some point I want to go way deeper on this, so I think I might have to have you back. Anytime, brother. If you would. Anytime. Um, because I, there's a lot of questions I didn't even get to, but I want to wrap up with this. Please. Um you know, you've been through uh, drug problems. You, you got help. You got out of it. I, I, believe now you're you minister. I mean, you said you still go to AA and things like that, and that's a big part of your your ministry. Yeah. I don't know who's gonna listen to this. Yeah. If somebody's listening to this, and they have a problem with any kind of addiction, there's a lot of them out there. What
0: and, and they and they want to make a change. What do they need to do? You know, the first thing that I would recommend to them. As a pastor Mm -hmm. and as a Christian, I'm going to tell you to go straight to Jesus. Okay. And this is what I'm going to say about that, especially when you're talking about any problem, go to Jesus. Okay. If you have an addiction, go to Jesus. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? There's a verse in the Bible that says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary Mm -hmm. and heavy laden, Mm -hmm. and I will give you rest, Mm -hmm. and you will find rest unto your soul." Now, I like that verse because he didn't say, rest unto your mind, mm. rest physically, yeah, yeah, yeah. emotionally, you need yeah. that. Yeah. He said, unto your soul. Mm-hmm. Now, without getting too technical or deep, I'll just suffice it to say that that's the deep, deep part. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual healing mm-hmm. that we all need. Okay. And many of us find different outlets to mm-hmm. fill that hole, It can be sports, it could be shopping, it could be athletics, it could be drugs. So we can be quick to look down on the drug addict, but we ourselves are trying to fill the hole with something else. Something else, yeah. But may I just suggest humbly that only God can fill that hole. Mm. So whatever it is, only He can give you the rest to your soul. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the first step. And once that internal healing begins there in the deep part, Mm Emotionally, mentally, physically, all those things fall into its proper natural place and order. Mm-hmm. And the healing is, is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great, man.
1: Thanks so much for coming on. I had a great time. Thanks for I having learned, me, man. I learned a lot yeah. about a lot of different uh, topics and subjects. But I do want to have you back because there's a lot more questions I need to ask you. Anything, and we brother. just
0: we just need more time. Anything, anytime. It's, so, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Do you me.
1: want to tell people where your church is if they want to come check it out?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I have a church. It's uh, 2317 Watchers Avenue um, in Des Moines, uh-huh. off of Floor Drive, right next to the airport, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah. Come check us out. Yeah. Not on Sunday. Mm. Check us out on Saturday. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I want to come check out a service. Anytime, brother. Yeah, man. Anytime. Let's do yeah. It. Yeah. 1050. We're there. Out uh-huh. there. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate We're done. It.